Welcome to the Atlanta Startup Podcast, the briefing room for the innovation ecosystem. I'm Lisa Calhoun, your host and general partner at Atlanta venture capital firm, Valor Ventures. On this show, I bring you the investors, the founders, and the activators creating the fastest emerging venture capital ecosystem in the country. So I am really excited that Robin and I have in the studio today, Dahl Avant, and we were just catching up. We heard you first pitch at Startup Runway. We were trying to remember when, and you've come so far. Welcome to the program. Thank you. So excited to be here. This is great. It's nice to have you at the park. Yes, here at the park. Yes. And so you want to give us a little bit of where you are now or, or you know, what's been going on that's new with you? Absolutely. Yes. So Aquagenuity uh, is finally launching our product and making it available to consumers, uh, actually right now as we speak. So one of the things we've been working on is mapping the water ecosystem. It's something that doesn't exist. So in air quality, you have this data and there are sensors everywhere in most of the Western world and you can easily kind of report air quality doesn't exist for water. So we're the first in the world to map the water. Do you find ecosystem. that that's surprising that there's It's surprising, not? but it's also, we know why, because it's very hard to do. Yes. Uh, there's so many different ways and formats and how water quality is tested for and where that data lives and so forth. So we had to kind of figure all that out. That's the science and the secret sauce. And uh, we figured out a way to get that data, not just down to kind of your local water treatment plant, yeah. but all the way down to your home's tap. So we're wow. providing transparency in a way that it's not been done before for water quality. And eventually we'll be able to provide that as a real time kind of monitoring and notification system for a city. So is your suspicion that water at the tap is not necessarily safe? Um, depending on where you live, uh, things like Flint, all of that happens in the last mile from the water exactly. treatment plant to your home's tap, right? So that's where you really need to be monitoring. And up till now there has been no insider transparency into water quality. So that's what we do. And that's what we're launching. So we're making that available to consumers. Uh, March will be the time frame, but all of our beta users will have access now uh, via our web app. And we're also launching with corporate partners like the Georgia Aquarium and so forth, who are helping us to map water quality with the Water Genome Project. That's cool. But you know, it's also important for corporations. We have a lot of buildings in the area right. and a lot of people now are very cognizant of their water bottles Mm -hmm. and they want to fill up at the water fountain mm -hmm. and it would be very nice to know that water fountain that's been in that building for 20 years yeah. that that last mile and right there is still good you want to have peace of mind about <clears> that. <throat> exactly uh, one of a, a friend of mine actually works for the senate foreign relations committee so right in the u.s capitol building and they got an email she said a couple years ago uh, you might want to go get tested so long story short uh old buildings have a lot of lead and you're being exactly if you if, so we're providing a way for you to know that early as opposed to having a doctor tell you that you have elevated lead levels. Wow. Wow. So how does the app do that? How does this happen in a digital way? Yeah, it's really cool. We've taken all that data and aggregated it into a single database, uh, running our algorithm on it. So the water score makes that really uh, makes that data accessible to a non-technical user. So even if I don't have a degree in chemistry, or environmental engineering, I can look at a score. So 100 is good, zero is bad. Yeah. It also translates to things like heat maps. So blue is good, red is bad. Uh, and then we make that available via API so we can push it through our own web app, own mobile app, but any uh, 
platform that can pull from an API can also display that data. So this would be good for school systems too. Absolutely. Yeah. So schools, uh, municipalities, uh, some of your larger think about, you know, the channel that you turn on to get the weather uh, or when you go to search for a home, those are the types of sites and, and vendors that want to use the data as well. Oh yeah, because man, if you could know what your water quality is, not only at your tap at your house, but what's going on at your work mm -hmm. and where your kids are going to school. Going to school, where you travel, hotels, uh, two of the largest uh, hotel brands in the world are interested in, in pulling the data. And then also they want to basically advertise that they have better water quality than the area where they're located, right? <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of well-known travel sites yes. that people like to go, That's but right. then you hear, oh, geez, you can't drink the water. Mm -hmm, exactly. And when you like to know that if you are going to a particular hotel brand, that, that one, yeah, you can drink the water and take a shower. Exactly. Those so are that, all good those things. Those are the types of things that, that our data allows an uh, end user to do. Excellent. So how did you build the app and you're just launching it publicly? Mm -hmm. How do you get the water tap data? I mean, that is there a sensor you're putting in? How are you doing it? So it's really exciting because there's there's a lot of room for growth in this area. Uh, there's actually no sensor that works to test everything that's in the water, right? So that science doesn't exist is one of the things that we'll be working on with some of our university partners. So right now what we do is use very low tech, um, low cost technology to put in the hands of, again, a non-technical user so they can do these tests at home. Okay. So we have test strips, mm -hmm. simply run it under your faucet, it changes color. And then uh, based on that color and use the guide, you can enter that information to the app, or scan it into the app or enter it into the web app. And it's going to give you a personalized water score right there at your tap. So what we do is we provide a baseline water score based on data from EPA, public utilities, municipalities, down to the zip code level. And then if you want that information down to your tap, you're able to get our starter kits and do that at home. Wonderful. Now, can I buy these online? Yes, they are. They will be available online. If you're on our mailing list, you'll be the first to get access to it. Yay. And it will be available nationwide in March for United Nations World Water Day, March 22nd. Wonderful. Awesome. So that is get, awesome. To get on your list, they go to your website? Absolutely. Uh, aquagenuity.com. And just see the... Uh, See where it says check your water into your email and you'll be the one to, to get it first. So Doll, how did you get into this business? I mean, water quality is intricate. I've learned already so much from you about it. For example, um, we were talking earlier and you were like, you know, water quality varies by season. Yes. Because I was like, hey, someone tests their tap and they're just one and done, right? And you're like, well, mm, not, not really. necessarily. It actually changes about as often as your weather. Really? And most people have no idea. So something as simple as heavy rains can affect the water quality or the quality of water coming out of your faucet at home. I wouldn't have thought that. Yes, most people don't. Mainly know when them. you think you, your water treatment plant is doing everything mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, and they do a good job. And they, you know, most of them are up to standard in terms of EPA. But again, that last mile, that's where flint happens. That's where okay. uh, if there's flooding, if there's heavy rain, if there's dumping, if your pipes are leaching, anything could be happening in that last mile and it's coming straight out of your tap. And nobody's breaking the law. You know, no. it's just not it's, being monitored. Yeah. It's not managed. So how did you get interested in this entire field? Sure. So I mentioned Flint. Flint happened. Um, as we all know, it hit kind of global headlines in 2016. That's when the world found out that about 100,000 residents were being poisoned by their local water supply, specifically lead. And I found that especially international folks, they don't necessarily know what Flint is, so I always explain. But the lead in that water was about twice the amount that would be considered toxic waste. Mm. And that's just because the pipes were leaching. Right. Uh, and that lead got in that water and nobody was monitoring it. 
And so when that happened, you know, everybody was really upset, of course, and you know, don't we have the best water in the world in America, those types of things. People were upset with the governor, marching in the street, and it, you know, became very much a politis, political issue. Um, but I'm a data scientist, and I saw it as a data issue. The people that needed the information about what was in the water didn't have access to it. Uh, and that's really one of the problems that we try to solve at Aquagenuity, because right now humans are the sensors alerting us to water quality problems, and that should not be. You know, and, it sh and it's kind of too late when yes. sometimes when the humans are in there, you've for already been years. too exposed. And then you're all of a sudden finding out it the trigger was from the water. Exactly right. So um, <clears throat> and see, I grew up in South Georgia, and we were on uh, well, well water, water. Mm -hmm. and we were just notified. I want to say it's been a couple of years that the well water that we'd been drinking ever since yeah. we were little was carcinogenic. And it's upsetting, right? It's and upsetting. It's what you do, and you're thinking, you know, because we kept asking the questions. You know, we're washing our clothes, mm -hmm. and our clothes come out with. It's kind of a, a you know a yellowish kind of color. Right. Nothing ever would come out white, white again, even if you bleached it. And we always thought it was from the tannic acid that mm -hmm. you know is from the leaves and all that other kind of stuff. That's what they tell you at the Okefenokee. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and and over time you realize no, it's kind of from where it's coming from, yeah. and it's not being filtered appropriately. Right. And you know, my parents had been living in that house for sixty oh years. Goodness. Yeah, and yeah. it's just upsetting, right? So. We always say water is not a political issue, it's a human issue, right? So at the end of the day, people are being impacted in a really personal way. Uh, so I went back, I went to Harvard for undergraduates, so I went back to the School of Public Health to try to understand the problem and discovered there are actually 3,000 locations in the United States with more lead in their water than Flint, Michigan. Mm. which is 3,000. 3,000, which is also actually closer to 4,000. Uh, and it was reported by Reuters, and you know, but people just, we don't, we don't hear it, we don't get that. Well, and we don't think it's going to be our house. Yeah, it's not our neighborhood. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, things like the Aaron Brockovich chemical, you know, known to cause cancer, it's in all 50 states. It's actually not regulated by the EPA. It, things like that. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of examples of kind of water quality issues in, in the United States, let alone globally. And it's really, it fundamentally comes down to the fact that people don't know what's in their water uh, until a large group of people start getting sick. And mm -hmm. so I really said, well, why isn't there an app for this? Kind of a little bit too late yeah, at that yeah. point. Yeah. Why isn't there an app for this? Uh, and like I said, I found out why there wasn't one, that data had not been aggregated to a single point because it's really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. uh, there are 57,000 individual water systems in the United States, uh, in all different formats. They report all different times, uh, once a quarter, some of them once a year. Um, they, re they don't test for very much. So maybe about 120 right now, uh, things that are on the list that the EPA requires that you test for. And there are 80,000 chemicals that are legal to be used in industrial processes in this country wow. that are you know, being found in our waterways. So there's a huge gap in the data. And so that's the problem that I set out to solve with Aquagenuity. Wow. Well, not to look too far ahead because obviously this is something we need and I'm excited to see it come into the world and I'm looking forward to this launch publicly. And I, even when you came into the studio today, I'm like, do you have a test strip for us? <laughs> yeah, let's send you guys all the goodies. Last time you came, so you can play around there was a them. test strip and it's yes. super fun. And, and, you know, with that seasonal idea in my head, I wanted to know if yes. we still had a good score, you know, but what happens when you don't have a great score mm -hmm. and because of opportunity, you discover that your water is really not up to the standard that you or your family want to be drinking. Mm -hmm. What then are you, I can see a lot of fear coming out of the water genome project. Yeah, we've worked really hard and been very strategic about how we release this data. 
So one of the things that we do is we position ourselves as kind of the Amazon of the space. So once you find out what's in your water, we have a partnership with companies, for example, like Hydrobee. They won Shark Tank a year or so ago, and they were funded by Mark Cuban. So this is a water filter company that takes data. They didn't actually have the data till we have better data, but they take data about what's in your water locally, and then they customize a filter that's certified to remove what's oh, in very your nice. water where you live specifically. Yeah, so, we're so able it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's customized, customized to what you need. Exactly, yeah. uh, because the water here is different from California and so forth. So you need that type of customization. We're able to do that through partnerships. Um, so providing solutions and recommendations around that. So very much like Amazon. Very cool. To, to find that information right inside of the app experience. And water is such a big part of our lives. Yeah, it's everything. You know, it's everything. We with, bathe our children with. Yeah, next to air. Absolutely. Yeah. It's in all, you know, most of our food products, you know, you start to think about the ramifications of water, both on that side of it, but also uh, all the companies that use water, 84% of companies are water is one of their major mm -hmm. you know, assets in terms of their manufacturing process. So how are they being, are they responsible? What are they putting out on the back end of the manufacturing process? How are we measuring that and making sure that remediation is working? These are the types of things that Aquagenuity and our data platform can start to measure and report in a way that's transparent. So uh, consumers can protect their health, but also cities now can start to use the data forecast to kind of look at the city at a macro level and see where we need to deploy resources or, you know, we should do an infrastructure project and prioritize this area versus that area based on data, not based on politics. A data-driven society, isn't yes. that nice? Data-driven <laughs> sustainability. Yeah, sustainability. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to get back to something you said, the Amazon for, and, and you mentioned Hydroview, but are there more filters, products? Give us a sense of how big is this water marketplace? Well, there's two ways to look at it. One is if you look at the state of infrastructure just in the United States, uh, it's crumbling. It's about 100 years old. You see the derating from the American Society of Civil Engineers. Mm -hmm. If we were to try to fix all of the pipes in the, in the United States, it would cost about a trillion dollars. And that translation is not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> translation, uh, <laughs> give it up. You combine that with statistics like the United Nations says by 2030, uh, we'll have a 40% greater demand for clean water than there is supply on the planet for the first time in human history. That means that we're moving to a world where you can no longer take water and water quality for granted. Mm -hmm. uh, very similar to the shift, say in the maybe in the 40s, people used to leave their doors open. Yeah. And now we have ADT and everybody locks their doors and it's a thing. Everyone has to have an alarm, alarm monitoring system. We're moving to a space where everyone is going to have to have some type of filtration or some type of something because we just can't keep up with uh, the issues that are facing us. So from that standpoint, just the, the number of people buying the existing filters and things that are on the market will spike. And a lot of that will come through our platform. On the other side of it, there are things that are uh, inside of NASA, for example, some of our university partners, sensors, a lot of really cool technology that has not been commercialized in the water quality space that we'll be able to bring to market for the first time. So that will kind of increase the number of devices um, that are available in the marketplace. Wow, well you have a global perspective on this and a really a national footprint and how you're building this solution. How many sources of publicly available water are in your product now? Uh, how many data points? Yeah, data sources. Uh, there are, well data points, there's probably close to 75 million data points inside the database right now. Wow. Um, and again, we, we pull from EPA, we pull from public utilities, we pull from municipalities. Um, 
we're bringing on more and more university partners. So anyone who has kind of a, a, a data set that obviously the water quality data itself, but also kind of correlated data, we're, we're able to pull that in and make We need to get you working with the Weather Channel so that when they yes. give us a report, <laughs> they can say, yeah, this is the weather and this is how your water is doing. We're going to send this to them. Yeah. Uh, we were actually talking to them. They're, they've been very supportive. Of this oh, month. very cool. Yes. So is the U.S. a laggard or a leader when it comes to water quality? Because these stats make me feel like we're pretty much a laggard, but, but you're the expert. Mm -hmm. We are still a leader uh, in the sense that, you know, in the 20s and 30s of the you know, previous century, we figured out how not to perish instantly yes. from drinking water, right? And so that was the big innovation. And so it's been almost 100 years now, and that's kind of been the last innovation. But meanwhile, we've also been leaders in pollution, right? So I mentioned the 80,000 chemicals or so completely legal to be used in industrial processes in this country, about 1.2 trillion gallons of wastewater being dumped into our waterways mm -hmm. every single year, right? So we're just, the innovation is not keeping up with kind of the, the, the demand and the pollution that we're putting back into the water uh, supply. So we're leaders and laggards. Okay, <laughs> and why Atlanta? Why did you choose to launch this here? Well, I love the fact that, you know, I was born and raised here in Atlanta, so I feel like I should get a sash and a tiara, tell everyone, welcome to Atlanta. Um, but well, we would go with you with welcome to Georgia. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Welcome to Georgia. <laughs> welcome to Georgia. Uh, but I was born and raised here, so, you know, they tried to get us to move to San Francisco about a year and a half ago. You know, that's typically what happens with a tech company, right? Uh, but we said, no, born here, raised here, we're going to change the world from here. We've gotten a lot of great support. A lot of the, you know, Fortune 500s obviously are based here. Coca-Cola right. had us in their bridge community uh, two years ago. Uh, we've, we've had a tremendous support. Home Depot, you know, the, the founder of Home Depot uh, founded the Aquarium. They're our first partners that have come on board. Too. Yeah, and water is important to them. Clearly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> So you like the Atlanta ecosystem. Atlanta's been great. Absolutely. You see yourself staying here for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. Yes. It's always great to hear that. And that's something that we really try to focus on, of course, with the Atlanta Startup Podcast, why this is a great place. Since you looked at San Francisco, is there any reason um, that you didn't want to go out there, aside from obviously you're super loyal, you know, hometown mm -hmm. girl, but what would you say to other founders who are looking at that choice, maybe that weren't brought up here and don't have that much longitudinal background. I think that Atlanta is superior to other markets because you're able to access people with great depth of knowledge, resources, access, uh, in a, without being kind of in the circle. Like you could literally move to Atlanta and within 30, 45 days, just go to different events and you'll be talking directly to, you know, somebody very influential. And that's not necessarily true in other cities just because, you know, the way socioeconomics work and you have exactly. to kind of be invited into the circle and so forth. Atlanta is a very, very open place where you can build a network, uh, even if you're starting from zero. And I think the South has a lot of that. Mm -hmm. We are very open, like to connect other people, Absolutely. very welcoming and looking to help. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's been my experience. Yeah. So, so that's a great entree. We usually like to ask founders, who would they give a shout out, mm -hmm. um, a person who's helped them on their founder journey in the Atlanta community that you'd really just like other founders to know about? Someone that every founder in Atlanta should meet. Who would, who would come to mind for you? I'll say two. One, I'll say Cynthia Curriott over at the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we did not know until recently how much support they give to the startup community, but also they're really great at connecting you to other entities in Atlanta, other Fortune 500s who are their members and so forth. Um, so the Metro Chamber is great in that way. 
um, I would also honestly truly say with no bias um, that Lisa Calhoun and, and oh, Valor wow. Ventures has truly been, you know, because I've been through it all. Like we've been fortunate enough to win a lot of awards and go through all the accelerators and incubators and so forth. But some of them are better than others. And my experience with Startup Runway and uh, the Valor team has really been exceptional. Uh, you guys Super. actually provide real value, kind of practical things that a startup can do to move forward. And that's something that we don't, we don't always get. Thank you, doll. Well, that means a lot for you. And that was, that was unanticipated, but I am grateful <laughs> to accept. And also, it's great to hear the Metro Atlanta Chamber has also been a great partner to us in so many Definitely. ways. They mm -hmm. do so much for the community. And it's a team of amazing people. Yeah, they're awesome. Finally, when someone hears this podcast, I know they're going to want to be a part of what you're doing. Yes. You know, some portion of our listenership is going to say, wow, how do I get involved? How do I get tested? How do I join the team? How do I put money into that? And so how should people reach out to Aquagenuity? Well, uh, the best way is through our website. It's just aquagenuity.com. And people, how do you spell that? It's where water meets ingenuity. So aquagenuity.com. <laughs> and uh, also for corporations especially, but also folks in the community who want to be ambassadors and so forth, you can find out more about the Water Genome Project at watergenomeproject.com. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, so glad you could come in today. Thanks Thank for spending you. some Thanks time for having me. Thank us. you for coming out to the park. Yeah. Absolutely. Great to have you on the show. And we'll have to have you back in a few months for an update yes. on how the water journey There'll be so much to share. Oh, I'm excited to. Thank you, Dom. The Atlanta Startup Podcast catalyzes critical conversations and connections that couldn't otherwise occur in our fast-paced, dense, and dynamic ecosystem. Want to be on the show? Reach out to us at atlantastartuppodcast.com and click on Booking. The Atlanta Startup Podcast is produced by Valor Ventures as a service to the startup and investor community. We couldn't do it without the support of our sponsors, Atlanta Tech Park, the Global Innovation Center, and Right to Market, Atlanta's favorite tech and healthcare marketing firm. Please patronize these local companies with your business and visit them online for more info. And if you'd like to get your information on the Atlanta Startup Podcast or share a message with our listeners, visit us online and check out our affordable rate card. All advertisements here are tax-deductible donations to the Startup Runway Foundation a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is connecting underrepresented founders to their first investor.